The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. New concerns have arisen over the health of China's shadow banking industry. This comes after several firms saw overdue payments on Zhongzhi-linked high-yield investment products. That's a big trust company, Zhongzhi. Many investors are already worried about the state of China's economy and its property market. We heard earlier from Bloomberg's Tom Orlick. What we see is the first signs of that extreme stress in the real estate sector starting to trickle through to the financial sector with this big trust company in China. Trusts are financial institutions which take money often from uh, rich investors and channel them into high interest rate loans, often to property developers. We've got one of China's biggest trusts saying, you know what, we're not going to be able to make our investors whole. In a sign that authorities are worried about potential contagion, China's banking regulator has set up a task force to examine potential debt at Zhongzhi. Analysts at J.P. Morgan Chase are warning that the turmoil may contribute to a vicious cycle for real estate financing in China. To the Chinese property developer Country Garden, the company is now seeking to extend a maturing bond for the first time ever. The story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. The developer is seeking feedback on extending payment of a $537 million note due in September. It also suspended trading in 11 onshore notes issued by the company and subsidiaries. Country Garden's worsening condition is unnerving markets given its sheer size and add to that nervousness in China's shadow banking industry. Meanwhile, we're also expecting China's economic data for July later today. The economy is likely to show further weakening as the housing slump deepens. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The frontrunner in Taiwan's presidential election says he won't stop TSMC from building more plants abroad if he's elected. Vice President Lai Ching-de told us that Taiwan has a responsibility to give back to the international community. TSMC's advanced processes are located here in Taiwan. Their base is here in Taiwan. So if they choose to set up operations in the U.S. or other countries, this is an expansion of Taiwan's economic power. This is also part of the restructuring of global supply chains. I would take these developments positively. Lai's comments reflect his efforts to deepen engagement and cooperation with countries around the world. It all comes as tensions continue to simmer between the East and West. Last week, President Biden issued an order that regulates U.S. investments in some Chinese semiconductor in quantum computing and AI firms. Well, a noted investor has exited stakes in two Chinese tech giants. The story from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Regulatory filings just out show that Michael Burry of Scion Asset Management, perhaps best known for predicting the 2008 U.S. housing crash depicted in the book and movie The Big Short, has exited his stakes in Alibaba Group and JD.com as of last quarter. 
Now, it comes months after Scion doubled down on those same two Chinese firms, which made up a fifth of the firm's portfolio and were actually its biggest holdings at the end of March. But since then, Scion liquidated holdings in 15 companies in all, including some troubled U.S. lenders, along with JD.com and Alibaba. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The CEO of Cleveland Cliffs, Lorenco Convalva, says that he's confident the takeover offer for U.S. Steel will succeed because it has backing from the United Steelworkers Union. U.S. Steel said it rejected Cliffs' offer because the company terms were unreasonable and it announced a formal review of strategic alternatives. Goncalves says that the proposed combination would make Cleveland Cliffs one of the world's top 10 steel producers and the fourth largest outside of China. It's a very good reset and restart with a a national champion in the United States and able to take care of business on behalf of our country. Separately, we saw the steel processor Smark uh, say that it offered to buy U.S. steel for $7.8 billion. Unlike Cliffs, uh, Smark hasn't been active in the deal space for steel and it didn't provide further details about its plans or how it would actually fund the bid. And we saw a big spike in, in U.S. steel during the session, up nearly 37%. Brian, I want to touch uh, very quickly on uh, what happened in Argentina today. We had over the weekend the uh, primary election and the libertarian outsider Javier Milei, surprisingly strong showing here. I think he captured around 30 percent of the vote. He's a far right candidate. He's got some pretty uh, dramatic proposals, including cutting government spending and making the country's currency the U.S. dollar. He also wants to tear down the central bank. So when these election results were announced, we saw sharp drops in not only in Argentinian bonds, but in the currency as well. So the government stepped in. They devalued the official foreign exchange rate by 18 percent and lifted the key interest rate by 21 percentage points to 118 percent. Yeah, it's a huge story, one we'll be covering a lot. Also, back to a high degree of focus on the shadow banking sector in China. Actually, it never went away, Doug. It's been there all along, kind of simmering. But this heightened sense of crisis in the property sector has brought all of this back into focus. And we got some key data, too, right? Industrial production, retail sales, and fixed asset investment. We're going to keep a close eye on those numbers as well. And one of the other big stories, the Morgan Stanley call on NVIDIA, that juiced up the whole sector of AI-related stocks and the Super 7. NVIDIA up more than 7%. It had dropped about 10% in the past month. So we'll be watching that and see if that extends uh, on to other companies uh, in the days ahead. Now it's time for global news. Taiwan's leading presidential candidate, Vice President Lai Ching-de, says that China is the reason for increasing tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom. Ed? Yeah, right, Brian. Uh, Lai says peace in the Taiwan Strait is of utmost importance, but in an exclusive Bloomberg Business Week interview, he says it is important to know that Taiwan is already a sovereign country and that he needs to maintain the status quo. Well, protecting Taiwan and maintaining democracy, peace and prosperity. So no such framework exists. We must work to maintain the peaceful status quo, because Taiwan is already a sovereign country. And through a translator, uh, says Taiwan does not want to be enemies with China, but... Increased tensions impacting the status quo in the Taiwan Strait have not originated from Taiwan. They are due to China's growing assertiveness. China not only seeks to annex Taiwan, It also hopes to change the international rules-based order. Under these circumstances, we must be clear. 
Taiwan's security is of international concern. Peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait is aligned with the international interest. And uh, Lai says he believes the U.S. stands behind Taiwan in every way. The Fulton County Grand Jury has been meeting today. There's a possibility an election interference indictment could be handed out today. Still, as we know, as we are being told, court is still in session, although Bloomberg's Zoe Tillman says more than not likely today. Good odds on tomorrow. The grand jury uh, sits Mondays and Tuesdays, and then a grand jury is back Thursdays and Fridays. Um, you know, we know that two final, uh, potentially final witnesses who were supposed to testify tomorrow uh, were actually in today, which, which suggests that their timeline was uh, expedited for whatever reason, and that could mean it's because they're ready to go. And uh, to make things more interesting, the core website today published a list of criminal charges against Trump. It briefly appeared and then was taken down. A spokesperson for the district attorney said the site was inaccurate without commenting any further. Writers reported, including state racketeering counts, conspiracy to commit false statements and solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer. So the wait is on. The death toll on the Maui wildfire stands at 96, but search crews say progress is going through the rubble of Lahaina town is slow and painstaking. They say they expect the death toll to rise. Meanwhile, there's concern about funding from the federal government to help right now. And then into the future, FEMA Secretary Deanna Criswell. This is going to be a long-term recovery operation. Uh, we have the resources we need today. And as we continue to identify what the needs are, we'll continue to move more in. But long-term, Bloomberg's Jordan Fabian says it could get caught in political morass that is funding for Ukraine and defense spending as a whole. Do they decide to split up the packages and pass the disaster relief funds separately from Ukraine, or do they try and move it all together? Mm-hmm. These are questions that they'll have to answer in the next few weeks once they get back from their August recess. Uh, Famous says funds will run short within a month. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. Countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis along with Vonnie Quinn. Our guest is Gary Schlossberg, general market or global market strategist at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Gary, so the rebound in big tech here, this jump in NVIDIA up 7% or so, a blip or is it likely to continue? Well, we're cautious on the outlook for uh, tech in general. Anything AI related in particular, uh, really more in valuations 
rather than the long-term outlook for the tech sector. But we did recently lower our, uh, our view on the sector from favorable to neutral, just given the valuations and the uncertainty about the economic outlook. Would you be selling at this point, Gary? And what would you look to buy instead? Or would you just keep money on the sidelines? No, we wouldn't be selling. Uh, we just wouldn't be adding in a big way to our portfolio, given our neutral rating, keeping it more in line with the uh, with the market rating or, or where you are right now, uh, keeping it in line with the market rating going forward. Uh, we're just generally cautious on the outlook, focusing more on energy, just given the fundamentals in the industry, defensive health care, and even materials, despite their economic sensitivity. Gary, real rates are heading higher pretty quickly here. Uh, some might think that that might force the Fed's hand, uh, at least on guidance. But you're actually taking the opposite position, presumably, because you think inflation is about ready to head higher. Make that case. Well, we're uh, keeping an eye on food, fuel, uh, and rents. Uh, rents could, uh, rental inflation could continue to move lower for a time. But given the turn that we've seen in more market-based re- measures of rents, we think they uh, they could be firming up along with food and fuel prices uh, as we move into what we think may be a recession by early 2024. And in that kind of environment, we would expect the Fed to raise rates uh, probably one more time before the year's out with the possibility of another rate hike early next year. I think the market is beginning to reflect uh, the uh, less sanguine view of inflation in nudging those yields higher. That and, of course, Treasury financing needs. Yeah, well, of course, yesterday's big call was Goldman Sachs' call that there will be a rate cut by the middle of next year. So after those one to two potential rate increases that you're seeing, when do you see the first cut? Probably not until further into uh, 2024, a little later than uh, the middle of the year. We do look for the economy to move through a recession. We're hopeful that we'll see a, a pretty good size recovery during the latter part of the year. Uh, typically, early in a recovery, you see inflation continuing to move lower, and that should provide a good backdrop for the Fed, uh, Federal Reserve, probably sometime during the latter part of the year. So we should probably ask you about China. There's a lot of churn there at the moment. Uh, We've got the shadow banking crisis kind of uh, re-entering the picture as seen through the lens of of the trust industry. Now, this is dwarfed by the state banking sector, so there's some room for movement there. But does what's happening in China concern you here at the moment? Well, I think they do have a number of challenges, clearly. The recovery from uh, that uh, uh, more open policy toward COVID late last year has been a bit disappointing. Uh, we do have the property sector, as you mentioned. Uh, the uh, the shadow banking system is under some strain. And it's not clear that they will be moving in with the kind of stimulus that helped jumpstart the economy in, uh, in past years. So, Yes, we think that recovery will remain disappointing, and there's clearly spillover to the global economy. Given the size of the domestic market, their importance as a source of growth, uh, importance as a source of uh, commodity consumption, number of spillover effects there. And, of course, if financial um, uh, stability is undermined, that could have a ripple effect elsewhere in the global economy as well. Gary, how would those ripple effects manifest themselves? Would it be through the dollar? Would it be through exporting disinflation? Well, I think some of it could be exporting uh, disinflation. Some of it could be through the effect uh, of any sort of uh, turbulence if it does develop on the WANs exchange rate, uh, funds moving back into China, perhaps, 
by locals, but uh, reluctance of foreign investors to move in. And that could have an unsettling effect, not only on the local market there, but uh, on uh, certainly on neighboring markets and elsewhere in the global financial system. Probably our last question, Gary. Uh, you're pretty conservative here. Your outlook is, um, I wouldn't say dire, but uh, it's, it's concerning. Uh, yet you like large cap equity over a number of other areas. Uh, make the case. Mainly because of the liquidity, uh, the quality, transparency uh, of those uh, stocks. And uh, at least part of that uh, allocation is in more defensive sectors of the market. But it's really quality and liquidity and the focus yep. on the U.S. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.